Good morning and welcome back. This is Brad Furlan, your host on Vermont Viewpoint, WDEV here in historic Waterbury, Vermont. Happy Monday to you. I hope your day's going well. If you're in your car, in your living room, at work, wherever, uh, this uh, spring we hope is coming. We've seen some sunshine over the last few days, the weekend. It was nice finally and... Uh, you know, we'll get through this winter. The winter blues in February can be tough, but um, we hope things are going well for you today. Uh, I'm very excited about my next guests. Uh, they are with the, um, it's HCRS is the, the acronym. It's the Healthcare and Rehabilitation Services. Uh, they're more in southern Vermont, and I wo- want to welcome Ann Billadu and Kate Lamphere to the show. Welcome. Thank you, Brad. Thank you so much for having us here. This is Ann Bilodeau. And this is Kate Lamphere. Hello, Ann and Kate. Welcome. Um, I don't know if you heard earlier, but I depicted you as um, not running into telephone booths and putting on capes, but it sounds like that's the kind of work you do. Uh, We did hear that, and we absolutely loved hearing that. Thank you. So maybe you leap over shorter buildings. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So um, can you tell – Kate or Ann, um, just want to start. Can you just tell our listeners a little bit about the organization to begin with? Sure. So this is Ann, and HCRS um, is a community mental health agency, one of 10 designated agencies across the state of Vermont. Um, We provide uh, services in the mental health and developmental disabilities arena, uh, for Windsor and Wyndham counties uh, in Vermont, so it's a little bit about HCRS. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, mental health and 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 more, right? Yes, it is. Yes, this oh. is cri- uh, enhanced crisis services across the state of Vermont. Okay, and um, so uh, and what what are your um, what are what are your sort of uh, leadership part of this organization? Sure. So um, I am currently the chief operating officer for HCRS, and for approximately the last 10 months, I have been the uh, really the project lead here at HCRS uh, while we were uh, hiring a project director who now is in place. His name is Mark Young. So I have been involved really from uh, well over a year in terms of the proposal, but Beginning of the um, the project, we started in the probably the May timeframe last year. So I have been involved as a lead since that point. And, and oh, go ahead, Kate. Yeah. Yeah, this is Kate. Um, I have also been involved since the beginning. So I'm a licensed clinical social worker with a lot of experience with crisis services at HCRS and in Vermont. And so I have been working alongside Anne to get enhanced mobile crisis up and running across the state. And so I. Just for clarification, I, I see that you cover a couple counties, but what you're doing now is expanding beyond those counties. Is that right? That is correct. Um, it, it's correct in a way. So we are, as I said, one of uh, 10 designated agencies across the state of Vermont, and the Enhanced Mobile Crisis Initiative is um, one where one of uh, the DAs, and we were selected uh, amongst our peer group, to provide 
lead agency services across the state. So we are the lead agency working directly with the state to create this program through our colleagues at the uh, at the other designated agencies. And uh, the mobile crisis unit is is sort of a new concept or not? Yeah. So a lot of the designated agencies have been providing some level of mobile crisis response, and enhanced mobile crisis response really brings it to another level. So the um, and what I mean is that it is a two-person crisis response. So it's a multidisciplinary team that goes out into um, into the field, into the community, to meet people where they're at, and to provide a really person-centered experience that allows people to get some relief from their distress. So it moves us beyond our current response, which is typically a screening and referral, often in a hospital emergency room, and it really allows for us to meet people where they're at, where they're most comfortable, in a way that can be most helpful to them to resolve the crisis. And and this is Kate talking, right? Uh, yes. So, so, Kate, on that, uh, there's people are looking for help themselves, but it sounds like you, you are meeting greater need because what I hear is a lot of family members get concerns. And so you're, you're doing outreach, um, based on family members needing, having the needs and also the, the person having the needs. Yeah, so certainly family can call um, and and seek support on behalf of somebody else. This is a a voluntary program, so we would be trying to talk directly to the person who is struggling, but we for sure can provide family support, helping people to get connected to resources, and then that community-based response to help the whole system that surrounds a person who's in distress to get, um, get the support that they need and get connected to resources, we provide de-escalation services. Uh, down the road, we will be providing peer support services. So that brings in people with lived experience with um, mental health, and it brings in um, people who have lived experience with the mental health system. We're also really excited to be expanding beyond just mental health to include substance use emergencies. So being able to respond to somebody who is in distress uh, related to their substance use, not just a mental health crisis. And we will get into that because obviously that's very big um, on a daily basis in in Vermont and, and everywhere. Um, and the the HCRS has been around for a long time. 1967. It looks like you were founded. There, it seems I, I may have read that you came into existence as centralized mental health. Um, started to, you know, go away. Uh, is, is that, was that the genesis in the beginning or, or how was it? I'm trying to think through your question. Um, you know, we have always been a major, you know, a major part of the mental health, uh, servicing the mental health side of, um, uh, side of the work in the two counties that we serve. So, I'm so sorry, Brad, if I can... Yeah, no, actually, it, that may have been confusing. I, I was sort of thinking about the centralization. We happened to be in Waterbury where, obviously, there, for, there was a uh, state mental hospital for, you know, since the early 1900. Um, but I guess regionally, pe- mental health 
needs were being met um, with agencies like yours all along. Um, yeah, I mean, there was a period of time where uh, much of our, I'm not a historian, but much of our mental health services were provided in more of an institution level of care. So in hospitals and facilities, and HCRS was certainly part of the community-based outpatient um, response when uh, deinstitutionalization came about. And so we have always been an outpatient facility, um, but certainly, you know, we were um, a part of the infrastructure that allowed for people to be supported in their community as opposed to in an institution. Got it. And Kate, what were what are some of the sort of daily um, types of services that you you see the most of of these days? I could probably go on forever about that. So we are an outpatient clinic, and so we have staff who support people from um, you know birth all the way through the lifespan. Uh, we have clinicians who do individual and family clinical services like therapy and group services. We have case managers who assist people in, um, you know, supporting their integration into the community. We have uh, residential facilities, so we do have a continuum of residential programs where people who are uh, coming out of a hospital or avoiding going into a hospital might get a little more intensive support. We have our uh, 24-7 crisis team, which all of the designated agencies have crisis teams, And they do, um, you know, they respond to people who are having a mental health crisis to get access to a level of care that will will help them to get the treatment that they need and also to be safe. There's so much more that we do, but day-to-day, our staff are remarkably dedicated and responding to the needs of our clients on um, a regular basis. Yeah, wow, what a service that you have. Um, And I read that you... Um, maybe serve 4,000 people every year, which is quite remarkable. We are talking with Anne Billadieu and Kate Lampfear, Healthcare and Rehabilitation Services. They're the uh, agencies that are designated in uh, two counties in, in southern Vermont, in Wyndham and Win- Windsor. Uh, Kate, I want to go back to you. You, you sounds like you're meeting just this uh, multitude of of needs, uh, wellness. I'm guessing at some level, maintenance in in mental health at some level, and then crisis for sure. Um, is there is crisis sort of the the high point, or or is it spread out the services quite a bit? Yeah, I mean the services are spread out. We certainly are, you know, responsive to the acuity that people who are in crisis. Um, present with, um, but we do do a lot of services in the, uh, you know, prevention in order to prevent a crisis or to support people to develop coping strategies so that they don't end up in crisis or know what to do if they're in a crisis. But we have a very busy crisis team down here in Windsor and Wyndham counties. We do a lot of crisis responding daily for people. Um, but certainly our services are spread, as you described it, you know, people who are maintaining and just working to meet their wellness goals, people who are actively in treatment, and people who have a higher level of distress and are in crisis. And, um, Kate, you have a workforce within the organization, but also do 
you're if you can't meet the need, you know who can. Is that right? Yes, um, we we have community partnerships across our area and now across the state that we rely upon to help people to uh, meet their needs. You know, people like any people with mental health and substance use um, challenges also struggle with a whole host of other challenges, Um, you know, poverty, trauma, housing instability, food insecurity. And so we do draw from our um, community partners to get people uh, connected to the right resources so that they can get all their needs met. We know that it's really difficult to meet your mental health goals if you're living, you know, in a tent or if you don't have enough food to eat. Uh, we also have employment services, so assisting people to access, you know, good competitive jobs so that they can, um, you know, be able to be self, self-sufficient. So we definitely have an amazing network of community resources that we rely upon and connect people to on a regular basis. Yeah, and, and Kate, it's, it's, it's not a short-term fix often, and what, what I'm hearing from you is, that's recognized in, in your, your, your triaging and, and helping on a journey. For sure. Yeah, we, we, you know, some people, their, their journey is shorter and some people it's longer. And we really believe in a person-centered response. So people come into our front doors. We listen to what it is that they're hoping for and what their needs are. And then we create a plan of care with that person to help them achieve it. And, some folks might be in services with us for a day with our crisis team, and some folks might be in services with us for years in order to achieve their goals. And um, we are happy to meet people right where they're at and uh, create that plan together. The On this show, we've had uh, Greg and Don Tatro of Jenna's Promise. They tr- tragically lost their daughter uh, to addiction and one of the things that I hear from Don and, and from Greg when, when they bravely do public speaking is to separate, uh, the person from the addiction. Is, is that a hard message to get out or are people accepting that more? Um, you know, I, I am a firm believer that all people are deserving of dignity and respect. And I understand that sometimes substance use can get in the way of people being their best selves. And we definitely strive to help people see past the worst in people to see the good in people and reduce stigma and um, help help people to reconnect with the person as opposed to what they've been going through or the actions that they may have taken to, um, you know, in support of their addiction. So, Yes and no. I think we hear from people um, a great deal of empathy, and we also hear from from community members a great deal of of frustration with how um, much substance use has become a big part of our communities. You know, their own families, their own um, you, you know, they're they're watching their communities change as a result of substance use. So I think it is a hard message, and it's a really important message that we all need to connect with as we. Um, you know, figure out the path forward as it relates to substance use in Vermont. Mm, Kate, thank you for that. Uh, and we came through this thing called COVID. Uh, it impacted people in so many different ways. And not only, not only 
mentally, physically, financially, um, but also had an impact on the workforce. Uh, so how has it been a challenge for you to sort of maintain a workforce or, or, or bring one back if, if, if it went down during COVID or what, what was that like for you? Sure. Such a great question, and I'm sure it will be studied for many years. Uh, yes, we were, like all of the other, uh, really most um, companies and organizations across the United States, probably the world, were pretty significantly um, challenged from a workforce with COVID. We, were, we, however, were quite fortunate. We, I would say we did have our challenges. Um, we didn't lose a lot of our workforce, but we went through a pretty – significant time period, at least a year, where we had a lot of difficulty finding staff. Um, I am happy to say that in the last year, six months to a year in particular, we have seen um, folks returning to the workforce. We've seen more people applying for positions. We've been able to fill our vacancies uh, faster. And so I'm happy to say that HCRS seems to be moving forward on that, uh, which is great. Uh, the other designated agencies, you know, when we talk about enhanced mobile crisis, uh, certainly workforce challenges come up as, uh, comes up as the number one concern uh, for designated agencies. So um, it's an interesting time, but we are seeing some really good signs uh, with the workforce. And on uh, switching topics a little bit, Ann, but Reimbursement seems to be a challenge, uh, especially in Medicaid, uh, people getting beds and stuff like that. It, are you finding solutions for that, or is that something that still needs work? I think it's something that will always need work. Uh, the, you know, the nature of the industry and, you know, when we talk about COVID, coming out of COVID in particular, we are seeing a much higher level of acuity. Um, and many, many more situations that we weren't necessarily seeing at that level in the past. So, you know, uh, legislative advocacy, advocacy is a big component of the work that we do to make sure that we're in touch with our legislators and letting them know what's actually happening um, and what, what's happening within the communities so that they understand what needs to be funded and at what level. So I have to answer that question with, uh, yes, and always. Uh, we, we, that's something that the funding is always going to be a challenge. You know, the nice thing about this enhanced mobile crisis program um, is that it brings in a lot of federal funding to the state of Vermont to provide these enhanced crisis services, and that is just outstanding. I think that we're now one of 50, yeah, so one of um, 15 states across the United States to be moving forward with an enhanced two-person mobile crisis response. So we're really proud of that. Yeah, well, it, it's a gr a great model, and I'll, I'll go back to Kate. The with this the mobile crisis response, one of the things that we hear is that you know when somebody wants help, sometimes it's a little more difficult because of insurances or 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 reaching you know not even knowing how to, how to get there. But what I'm hearing um, with HC. Uh, RS is that you you're available r real quickly is that right yeah we're available 24 24 hours a day seven days a week 365 days a year 
Um, and, and we will respond to somebody regardless of their ability to pay or their insurance type. So we are, uh, and that's through great partnership with the state of Vermont Department of Mental Health that we're able to do that across the state. Folks can call, we have a, a website, um, and folks can look on there and get the number of their local agency, or they can call 988 to get in touch with somebody in their region who can be available um, on average within an hour. So it is a, a timely response. It's an urgent um, urgent response. It's not an emergency response. So we still have first responders who might respond to um, a situation where medical attention is needed. But we are really excited to be able to get to people within that that hour time on average. It's absolutely wonderful. And uh, Kate, I'm I'm wondering, are are you? Uh, I mean, obviously you're you're proud of this agency, but are, are you a little bit unique ahead of the curve with this this dual crisis uh, management response? Um, you know, this is a statewide response. This is a statewide partnership with all of the designated agencies in Vermont. So I, I always am proud of the designated agency system of care, and I am um, so grateful to be partnering with each and every designated agency to deliver this this service to our communities. HCRS is the lead agency in that we are, um, you know, we have responsibilities and, and work directly with the state, but our community partners, our designated agency partners are out there um, bringing this to life. So are you a, a teaching agency, so to speak? Like I know like Howard Center up here in, in northern Vermont is a designated agency. Are, are you Am I hearing correctly that you sort of you're sharing resource in terms of how to approach uh, these challenges? So, Brad, this is Anne. I'll I'll just answer that and say the the best way to think about our role as the lead agency is think about us as the project management team, uh, where we are providing um, the direct. We are working with our partner DAs to create uh, protocols, policies. Um, identify how we're going to work together as designated agencies to cross-cover our areas so that we bring more resources across the state. So a good example of that is telehealth, uh, where, you know, in the past we didn't have an, uh, any um, process for providing telehealth services to another uh, enhanced mobile crisis team that's going out, and now we do have that option. Uh, so we can call upon DAs across the state, in theory, to uh, help in any particular crisis situation. We also have the ability to um, deploy two-person teams outside of a DA catchment area if, if uh, the DA designated agency within that particular county is not able to respond. So this enhanced mobile crisis program, um, our, our role, HCRS's role as a lead agency, is to orchestrate and plan and um, implement in partnership with our DAs. So project management is the best way I would describe what HCRS is doing. Uh, Kate, with the uh, two-person, in-person response, I, I think that's absolutely remarkable. What are the uh, the skill sets of these two people? Are they, are they d- diverse in, in what they're bringing to, to whatever they're responding to? Or tell us about that. Yeah, so it, the intention is for for, the, for it to be a multi, multidisciplinary team. 
So one of the providers has the um, ability to do an assessment, which means they will be assessing risk, um, they, they would be assessing need and what's going on, and then making good um, treatment recommendations, you know, whether a person might need to go to the hospital or they might need support with accessing outpatient care. And then the secondary responder or the co-responder uh, might be another crisis, crisis screener who has a lot of skills in de-escalation and, you know, c uh, connecting people to resources within the community. We have a very robust training plan, which is really one of the most exciting parts of this project for me, because across the state of Vermont, we have a consistent training plan that includes things like um, de-escalation and harm reduction approaches to supporting people with substance use disorder, um, trauma-informed care, and a, a, a variety of really high-quality trainings, including one of the most um, impressive uh, suicide assessment trainings, which is really wonderful. So we are sending people out in these two-person responses highly trained. Some of our agencies and, and ultimately all of our agencies will have um, the inclusion of peer support. So peer support is a person with lived experience of, of mental health or substance use who is using that lived experience in support of um, connecting with people. So it is a lot easier to connect with somebody who has a shared experience. And so we're bringing that into the field as well. So one person is kind of a mental health or substance use professional who can, can tend to the assessment, and the other person really can look at um, connection to community resources, peer support, and, and de-escalation, making the pairing really a valuable response that can help people to get, get some relief from what they're experiencing. It's it's very remarkable to hear this, and and I love it. The are you doing um, law enforcement coordination as well? Are you helping in de-escalation uh, with that directly or indirectly? Sure. So so um, in the state of Vermont, our crisis teams have long responded with law enforcement. So we have a, an approach called Team 2, and those uh, crisis screeners and uh, law enforcement officers actually co-train um, on how to respond to mental health crises. And so we often call, call law enforcement to do a response if there's safety concerns, or law enforcement will call call the crisis teams and say, hey, can you come out? This is a mental health situation where we need somebody with, with your skill set. Many of the agencies, um, including HCRS, have embedded police liaisons. So those are mental health um, uh, staff who are embedded right in the police departments. So all of the Vermont State Barracks have a position, Vermont State Police Barracks have a position that is a partnership with the designated agencies. And then many of the agencies have partnerships with their municipal police departments and even sheriff's departments um, down in, in Windham County. So we are um, working alongside law enforcement day in and day out. Ideally, the two-person response will uh, reduce the need for law enforcement to go out to some of these crises where their presence might um, agitate the situation further or they're just not needed. They are, um, you know, responding to community needs and, and criminal activity across the, the state. And if we can um, provide the right response without them, that's what we would prefer to do. 
Yeah, what a wonderful program. And, and I'm hearing that they're really, they don't want to be arresting people. They, they would rather, law enforcement would rather divert them to programs like yours or at least immediate help and longer term help if they can, which is really a good human model, I would say. Yeah, for sure. That that has been my experience for, for many years in the state of Vermont is helping people get into the right system of care. And a lot of times that is not the criminal justice system. It is mental health. It is substance use. It is other social services. It's victim services. And um, we work alongside law enforcement to aid in that process. Yeah, so wonderful. If you want to join the conversation, if you've got questions for Anne or for Kate about mental health services, substance use uh, resource, give us a call, 802-244-1777. Um, I'm imagining that between the two of you, you've seen almost everything um, and uh, know how to how to channel response for things. Um, so between, I'm not sure who sort of more versed on the addiction and, and the substance use issues that we're facing in society now. Is that Anne or Kate? Uh, that would be Kate. Okay, Kate. So let's talk about that. There, the, the challenges have gone up and up. The, the fentanyl has created problems that are just phenomenal. And now I'm hearing about um, new things that are going into the heroin and other drugs, um, that wound kits, which I've never heard of, is, is commonplace to healthcare. Can you just, can you give our listeners a little sense of the, sort of the, what's on the ground right now that is just so, you know, really horrific, I would say? Yeah, so, you know, substance use is, is near and dear to my heart, and as a lifelong Vermonter, I have, um, you know, seen my beloved state change, and I I cannot speak to kind of what is on the ground, but I get an email at least a couple times a week saying there's this new thing, there's this new thing, and this is how it's impacting people, and this is the, the associated risk, and, you know, here's some recommendations on how to be responsive to that. So our providers are having to be very nimble in order to assist our our clients to um, make the best choices about how they're using, if they're using, when they're using. We at, at HCRS certainly are invested in, in a harm reduction pr- approach, and that means that we are meeting people where they're at, even if that means that they are still actively using substances, because we want to help, help people to understand how they can use in a way that is as least harmful to themselves as possible. So things like making sure you're not using alone. If you are using with somebody else, make sure you have Narcan and you recognize the signs of overdose. Um, Fentanyl test strips so that you can test what you're using for fentanyl and choose not to use it because that is is significantly increases your risk of having a, a fatal overdose. So we put a lot of effort, we just trained all of our staff in harm reduction and overdose response. We uh, have our staff carrying naloxone, the life-saving drug Narcan, in the field so that if they happen upon an overdose, they are well-trained and know what to do. And we are really responsive to whatever it is that people are bringing to to us in a way that um, hopefully is maintaining dignity and respect and reducing stigma, 
helping people get connected to treatment or other um, recovery supports like the recovery centers. We partner with them both in Windsor and Wyndham counties. Um, but there is so much need and there's so much uh, risk with substance use, we really feel it's important to take a harm reduction approach and really helping people to stay alive so that they can get to the next um, phase of their their recovery, whatever that means for them. Yeah, it, it totally makes sense that that's the first step because there's nothing after that if you don't. Um, we have a caller, uh, Mark from Burlington. I want to welcome you to Vermont Viewpoint. Welcome. Hi. Um, one thing I noticed, and I won't bring up certain names because I used to work in social still in the field that I know different areas of Vermont, including those working with folks around law enforcement. One concern that I have that should be addressed is I wish things very uniform with how the police interact across the board, also how the public understands mental health issues. I will tell you two differences, and this is from third-party impression. If you're going to be dealing with crisis, mental health issues, homelessness, Berlin Police Department, Berlin community seems to be will be considered a shining example, and those in the know will nod with it. If you deal with crisis in Burlington, honestly, and as a Burlington resident, I do feel there's a high level of prejudice of the general public, those folks going through substance abuse, and I personally do not have the best impression of the Burlington Police Department. I think... Well, we have to take this one step further is public education, the general public, and really getting our police departments on board equally where people will tell me, my son's in this town, he's dealing with mental health issues. I'm glad we're in that town. I'm glad I'm not in Burlington. I don't want to keep on harping on Burlington, but I have the impression as a Burlington resident, things are just not working very well between the police and the community, and how can we get this uniform so wherever you are living in Vermont, with whatever issues, you're treated with even respect by all people in the profession. And I'll, I'll end on that note. All right, Mark, thanks for that uh, question. Uh, I'm going to turn it over. I think, Kate, are we, are we making progress? It's sort of a, it's a journey here. I mean, we sure are, and I think one of the, the best parts of the Enhanced Mobile Crisis Response uh, Program is that it is bringing consistency across the state in our responses. We have consistent training. We have the two-person response. We have, uh, you know, uh, consistent policies and procedures and protocols that I think will make a huge difference in, in our responses. We have a statewide website, gethelpvermont.org, gethelpvt.org, that will um, allow for people to uh, see what we're all doing in a consistent in a consistent way. I think the caller is is right on talking about community education at all levels, including law enforcement and providers and doctors' offices and your neighbors. Um, we all want to reduce stigma associated with mental health and substance use and and get connected back to dignity and respect for people who are going through a hard time. So I'm, I'm all on board with that. 
We are talking with Anne Villadieu. Uh, she's the Chief Operating Officer of Healthcare and Rehabilitation Services in uh, Windsor and Wyndham County. And Kate Lamphere is the Chief Clinical Services Officer uh, uh, as well in, with, with the organization. Um, so, Anne, I was... You know, I think you, you are superheroes and, and you're doing this work and, and the model that you have sounds incredible to me. If you are sending the bat signal to, uh, to Montpelier, what are the, what are the things that you, if you had sort of your dream or, or wish list, what would you want, um, legislators to hear? Well, I think, uh, how important these services are to, our community and how the level of acuity has increased. Um, that the you know there's a a lot of pressure and stress on the workforce. You know the um, you know the average clinician uh, working on these types of the crisis situations. Um, you know they are doing their best, but it, we need more and more funding to help provide more positions and more support for mental health in crisis and substance abuse across, or substance use disorder, excuse me, across the state. So I think that is uh, what I would say is most important is to keep funding, uh, and uh, we do appreciate what the legislators have done for us over the years, and we continue to appreciate their support, um, but continuing to educate and making sure that they're hearing the message of how important uh, the needs are across the state of Vermont. And there is a huge amount of support for this enhanced mobile crisis model. We're really very excited about it and do feel a lot of support, a lot of excitement. Um, it really has so many components involved with you know, meeting uh, people in crisis where they're at in the community, in their homes, wherever works best for them to, uh, to stabilize and de-escalate and provide safety planning services. So uh, in terms of my wish list, I think that would be that would cover it. I think that um, I'm not sure if that answers your question. I'm happy to expand on that. Yeah, no, that's a great answer. And I, I would, I know um, you you may or may not have an economist hat, but it seems intuitive that if if we are doing this, if, if we put the money towards this, and we really do it the way that you are operating as an agency and the way you're teaching other agencies to, to, you know, model this way, wouldn't it seem that we would, we would be not only saving money, which, you know, bean counters love that, but the longer term care and approach um, is going to save a lot more lives too, it would seem. Yes. I mean, there's not much question that, uh, and there's been a lot of uh, rep- looking at emergency departments across the state and, you know, it's been identified that roughly 50 to 70 percent of individuals who present at the emergency room for mental health or substance use related services could have been evaluated in the community. And so even if you just look at that one particular piece and you think about, the, you know, the potential harm that may happen if someone goes into the emergency room but doesn't need to be there, some people do need to be there, some most do not. Um, and the ability to meet people in crisis exactly where they are um, is is a huge economic win, by the way, in so many different ways. But most importantly, it's what's best for the person. It's very much a person-centered model. Um, but yes, there are economics that do very much support this, but at the heart of this program is really serving 
serving individuals in crisis in a much uh, uh, in a best practice model, uh, national best practice model, and we are so excited uh, to be what feels like at the forefront with the 15 other states doing this uh, key work to help people. And it does save lives, and we will save lives. We have always saved lives, along with many other medical and law enforcement professionals. And uh, we do believe this program um, has tremendous opportunity to pull in not just a crisis response, but a co-responder peer support model with um, a person with lived experience providing a high level of support in the moment of the crisis. So that truly is what differentiates this model, uh, as well as the ability to really help with the substance use disorder side of things and be funded for that, which we're really very excited about. Yeah, the uh, and the the peer support really um, does lend itself to trust between individuals as well. I I suspect. Absolutely, and I I, I would say that um, if you know someone is trying to help you and they've been through something similar or the same, um, it has a bit of a calming and it lends itself to a more trusting relationship in a very and a much quicker way. I'm going to turn it over to Kate, who is actually more of a specialist on peer support. Um, I, I'm only, only because I've worked with peer support in, at HCRS for many years, um, but it, it does offer a, um, an opportunity for people to connect with somebody who has a, a similar experience, and that does um, allow for rapport building that is difficult with a, another kind of professional who has not lived that same experience. Uh, we also, at, at HCRS, our peer support staff we are called peer support advocates. So they advocate alongside the individual in crisis to help get their needs met in a way that is really in alignment with person-centered practices that we um, are really thrilled for. Yeah, and Kate, you talked earlier about something that's very significant, and I want to bring it back a little bit, the, you know, uh, poverty and, and meeting basic needs, eating, warmth, housing, um, a cell phone communication, all of that. I, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that's part of the ground level uh, triage that you look at and, and develop into meeting those needs for people. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt that that we are in a bit of a housing crisis right now, and so we are seeing um, large numbers of people without homes or without stable housing, and that is very significant, you know, putting yourself in in their shoes, how do you focus on emotional well-being and meeting your mental health goals when you're going home to a tent or you are um, worried about staying up all night so that you don't get too cold? Um, That is significant for people. And, of course, we are working with our community partners to help people meet the needs. We are advocating to our legislators to, to ensure that people are getting their needs met. But there is a great deal of needs that are far beyond uh, mental health and substance use that, that people in Vermont are dealing with right now. Many of them are poverty-related. And so, Kate, uh, w- the uh, corrections is is, is has – some focus on it right now in terms of um, programs that are making advances. A lot of uh, inmates are in um, who have experienced, you know, substance use or alcohol uh, 
issues or is that part of uh HCRS uh, right now or or something on in in the future so we've we've certainly worked in partnership with corrections and and you know assisting people to get access to like recovery housing or step down housing or supportive housing um, and, and you're right, that is a population where great headway has been made. I think there's uh, that same kind of emphasis on uh, other populations as well to be able to get access to um, different, different levels of housing support is really important. We have a residential continuum. We also partner with many housing organizations to, like say, provide supportive services to an, a landlord so that um, our clients have a better chance of uh, stability in a in a lease, and so we do a lot of work with um, helping people to maintain their housing, not lose their housing. Um, but we don't ourselves run any um, outside of our residential treatment continuum. We don't run any housing programs. We work in partnership with those who do run housing programs. Uh, so the, we only have about a minute left and I want to thank you both so much, um, for being with me and also to, that I will invite you back so we can sort of see the progress. It's, it, it seems to me that this new program with, with the dual workers going out is, uh, has a lot of hope, uh, for sure. And, uh, we're, we're grateful for, for all that you're doing. Um, and, uh, we look, we look forward to, um, bringing you back and, and hearing more. Great. Thank you, Brad, so much. We appreciate you, um, highlighting us and the new enhanced mobile crisis program. Well, and we'll look for you flying over Chittenden yeah. County one of these days, uh, and, and cape. yes, with your capes viewing, viewing and helping up here. Uh, it's Ann Billadu and Kate Lampfear. They are with, uh, the, uh, they're, they deal with uh, the mobile crisis and mental health and addiction and, and all of this, and it's it's something that's uh, prevalent. And uh, we, I thank you both for being my guests. So much. Thanks so much. All right. Uh, this is Brad Furland coming up. Uh, Bill Sayre is going to be talking with Jeff Shulman, UVM athletic director. That's at eleven o'clock uh, on Common Sense Radio. And then Charlie Papillo travels with Charlie. He's got Stu Ledbetter, veteran uh, newsperson, and great musician Billy Bratcher. We'll hear about um, Billy's life and times through Charlie Papillo. This is Brad Furlan, Vermont Viewpoint, WDEV, Waterbury, Vermont.